Hey everybody, welcome back to the Every Effort Podcast. Good to be back with you all this week. My name's Matt. My name is Jocelyn. And we're glad you guys tuned back in this week. If you're new, we're a podcast that's all about friendships, relationships, figuring out all these weird things that we have to figure out in the transition from being a kid, being a college student, being a full-time employee, being a part of a church. There's all these things that we're trying to figure out, and we're no experts, but we're trying to figure it out alongside all of you. We are no experts, but we are expert research- researchers, <laughs> so we will interview the people we need to and do the hard clicking that you don't want to do in your free time, bring you the content, and you tell us if you like it. Maybe we need a disclaimer at the end of the podcast where we just read really quickly all these little legal disclaimers about I how know. we're not experts <laughs> and we can't endorse any of the advice we're giving. Yeah. <laughs> Anything we give, uh, any advice we give, uh, if it brings you success and happiness and joy in life, then you can credit us. If it ruins your life, I mean, that's that's your fault for listening. (laughs) (laughs) But whose fault is it anyway, right? (laughs) Thanks, Marie Kondo. (laughs) Hey, she's doing something right, but I'm not doing anything she's recommending. (laughs) Wait, she's the one who does the organizing, right? Yeah, and she's like... She's the one who has that philosophy that only if it brings you joy should you keep it. And honestly, I kind of get that. Like, we have so yeah. much stuff in our house and in our closet that's just there to look good. But do we actually get any use out of it? Well, I'm still here and you're still here. So I feel like we're doing something right for each other. <laughs> and that's all that matters. Forget the clothes. Unless it's for me. Yeah, but... I was going to say, I don't know how long <laughs> that one's going to last. I do like that concept, though. I do have to do spring cleaning sometime soon, because... Halfway through summer. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, better late than never. That's what they say. That's true. It is kind of an exciting time of year, though. I feel like at summertime, we have all these church events. We're able to get out with our friends, do some sports, hit the beach. It's been really rejuvenating. It's just hot. (laughs) It is pretty hot. I I think it's just hot. (laughs) But... Being in my apartment is hotter than just going outside, so I think that's a good thing, because sun is good for you, vitamin D, and all that stuff, and it does make you a happy person. You told me this a couple weeks ago, that Mm -hmm. like going outside, actually walking, getting somewhere versus going on a treadmill and being in the sun is like really good for your mental health. Yeah, I have always been a huge like sunscreen, sunglasses, hat on kind of guy, and I was listening to an interview with some kind of expert, I couldn't, I think like an optical expert or something. And he was talking about how getting sunlight into your eyes, seeing things pass by that are made by your body's own actions, like they're just relaxing and they can give you energy and they help with your circadian rhythm, as opposed to always having the light filtered, like even through a car windshield or through sunglasses, it makes a really big difference if you're able to get real sunlight and walking around every day. It helps you get some more sleep, it helps you relax, and it just puts your body at ease. Speaking of sunglasses, I found a really great pair at Costco. This is not an ad, by the way, (laughs) but I found a great pair at Costco. And then when I went back, they didn't sell anymore. And Mm. I'll always blame Matthew for that. (laughs) He should have told me to buy them. And now I have just crappy sunglasses. But anyway, speaking of blame, that (laughs) is our topic today. And I forgive you, Matthew. But we should talk about that more. Let's get into the details of whose fault is it anyway. 
So why does it even matter about whose fault it is? Yeah, this is a topic that came up when we were talking with some of our friends about navigating some challenging things at work and in our personal lives. So especially when something goes wrong, like, do you always have to find someone at fault? Is there always someone to blame? How do you navigate, you know, when something you're working on or something you're responsible doesn't go to plan. Do I have to take the blame? Do I have to blame someone else? Does anyone need to be at fault, right? Can something go wrong and it not be someone's fault? And it's a weird thing to try to navigate because I feel like as you're starting a job or as you're like responsible for something, you have that defensiveness where you yeah. don't want to be blamed. You don't want people to feel like it's your own incompetence that caused it. But a lot of the times it's really endearing, at least to me, when people say, hey, you know what? I messed that up. And you realize that it's not such a big deal at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it depends on the work culture. Like if we're talking about work specifically, which is the first thing that comes to mind for me, uh, your work culture tends to be, can be more like, okay, we got to find out who did it. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of that is due to how managers and leaders go about resolving issues. And I think it can also be a function of what kind of industry you're in, too. Because working in manufacturing, when something goes wrong, everybody's asking uh, what we call like the five whys. Like, why did that happen? Well, why did that happen? Well, why did that happen? Until you like get to the root issue. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, like, you know, nine times out of 10, it's a human error, right? And it's unfortunate that that's what we have to focus on in order to improve things in the future. But most of the time, there are things that can like not even be corrected. Like, how do you how do you write paperwork that says, you know, John Smith just forgot to add the last (laughs) screw and accidentally signed off that he did it you know stuff like that is just like I feel like there's too much of an emphasis even in that realm of trying to find blame and Mm -hmm. cause and I get the whole trying to fix stuff but do we need to do that for every single thing that goes wrong because that's going to ingrain that pattern of how to solve problems is just going to ingrain itself in employees and how they relate with each other. Just like, oh, that went wrong. Well, well, who did it? You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point. And I think most of the time, it's not as black and white as we see it at first. I think when something goes wrong, it's really tempting to say, it's my fault, or it's not my fault. And Mm -hmm. not look at it as if you can take like a 10,000 foot view of the problem, you can see that there were a bunch of different things going on, right? You might have been really busy and there's something that's really easy to forget or it's really hard to be able to make these two things line up. And there are a bunch of things that go into it being an issue that can be more objective and not as personal to the person who's responsible for it. So I think a big part of it is understanding that you can take ownership and say, you know, I, I didn't do this right. But also, there are all these things that we could fix that could make it easier for the next time. And like you said, it's hard to determine what problems occur and you need to investigate it and get down to the root cause and fix it for next time versus saying, oh, all right, mess that one up. We'll move on to the next one. You know, it's not worth having meetings and taking time to fix something that Jocelyn just forgot to send an email. And sometimes that just happens. Right. And, And again, in some cultures everyone just wants to know everything like even to that last detail but another reason why this is important too is because it's like it was literally like one of the first sins when uh, Adam and Eve were in the garden and Eve eats the fruit and they pretty much blame each other like they're saying Mm -hmm. like hey well 
he didn't say anything. Well, she didn't say anything. Or, well, first Adam was saying that she convinced him, right? But the point is that you are responsible for your own actions, right? But not all actions necessarily deserve punishment or attention, even if they were like honest mistakes. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's important to talk about blame and who we're giving fault to because it was, you know, one of the first bad things that we did as a species. I really like the story of Adam and Eve for this because I think it shows what our initial kind of primal reaction to being blamed for something or, you know, confronted on something we did wrong, which is to look anywhere else to put the blame, right? Because Adam blames God. He says, God, you sent me this woman who led me to sin. And if you mm-hmm. look at it now, that's ridiculous. You can't, you can't blame God for your actions, right? That's a right. crazy thing. But in that moment, when someone says, why did you do this thing I told you not to do? You right. look everywhere else instead of being able to take ownership and say, you know what? This is why I did it. And I messed up. And I think to me, that's the formula is being able to admit your fault, and then also give context. I think there's a big difference between giving context and making an excuse, right? You can say, hey, I know this didn't come out the way you wanted it. Here's my thinking, and this is why I got there. And then your manager, your friend, your girlfriend can understand where you're coming from, and then you can work better to fix the mistake. I think just saying, oh, sorry, I messed up, doesn't really move you towards a better resolution for the next time. That just makes the other person feel better momentarily. But that issue will probably come up again if you don't have an understanding that, okay, you know what, Jocelyn didn't do that the way I wanted her to, but hey, I hear that she tried to do it this way because she thought that would be better and it would work out better, and it didn't this time, but I know she's working towards the right things. There's such a stark difference between working with someone who says sorry and someone who doesn't even care about you know, the the value or the quality that they're putting out there. When mm-hmm. someone's able to say sorry, it's like, okay, sometimes we can't correct everything. Like if you forget something, you forget something. And we try to put barriers in place to, to do that. But like, there's a point where a certain amount of efficiency and and barriers or guidelines are just too much. It's almost inefficient. Mm-hmm. But people who are able to just be very humble about that and like, be more conscious and aware and like you know they care about their work and you kind of see like their self-devastation and but also their turnaround in being a better worker like those people are just so much better to work with and you don't have to you don't feel like you have to explain why something is important because not everyone really takes their mistakes seriously Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why we feel a need to blame others is just to say like, hey, this is serious. It like saying, assuming it was their fault, like, hey, this is serious. And I'm telling you this. Um, But I think there's also a part of our human nature that just kind of wants to elevate ourselves a little bit and like point the finger. And I don't think that we can ignore that about ourselves. Like we want to say that someone else made a mistake therefore diverting attention from anything and any mistake that we make. Yeah, and I think a lot of our work is really tied to our self-worth and our self-esteem, and that makes it really challenging. And for me, something that's been kind of a breakthrough understanding is that something can go wrong and you can address that objectively without it being a negative remark on you, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I know that Jocelyn puts a ton of effort into what she does, and I can say, hey, this didn't work out the way it was supposed to, you know, at at work or in another setting, 
and that not be an indictment on Jocelyn not trying or not being really knowledgeable, but you can put in a lot of effort, you can do everything the right way, and it just doesn't work out. And that can be something that you can work through, you can change your approach, but a lot of people take that really personally. And that's been a big yeah. part of the book that I've been reading, I've talked plenty about recently, is that when something comes up and something isn't working out, people get really defensive and start to blame others instead of saying, I'm trying really hard, I'm doing all this, and it isn't working. How can I change it? It's really easy to look elsewhere and say, well, I'm trying my hardest. This other person must not be trying their hardest. And those things aren't mutually exclusive, right? Everyone can put in a lot of effort, be trying really hard, and you just don't get the results you want. And so you can come together and reevaluate, do it a different way, but it's not an indictment on a good worker versus a bad worker. And I think that's really hard to separate as people who are very prideful. Yeah, it's good to differentiate what kind of good blame there is and also toxic blame that there is because mm. how can we be aware of mistakes we make that we're not conscious of unless someone else brings it up to us and yeah that's technically blame but it's more like constructive criticism kind mm -hmm. of blame and then there's other kinds of blame blame has a negative connotation because usually it's just focused on bringing a person down for their mistakes and not focusing on a resolution. And I think that's the difference we have to understand. So there's toxic, what well, you mentioned toxic accountability at one point. Mm -hmm. How would you how would you explain that? Yeah, so I would describe toxic accountability as a culture where if something goes wrong, there has to be a person to blame for it, right? Like if something underperforms, you the culture is that you need to be able to say, Jocelyn, you were in charge of this, it didn't go right, you know, this is your fault, or you need to correct it, or you need to do better next time. And there's not this evaluation or this reflection on what's going on. Like, I've had a really great opportunity to be around a lot of really great leaders where if something doesn't go wrong, everyone's able to see their part to play in that and take ownership of it. So I've been in a lot of situations where something doesn't come out right, and the person who's doing the task can say, you know what, I didn't do this the way I was instructed to. I didn't understand that this is what I was doing. That's my bad. And the leader can also say, hey, you messed up. That's also on me. I didn't give you good enough instructions. I didn't set you up for success. And it doesn't have to be what I would say toxic accountability where it has to go on one person or it has to be an issue instead of an opportunity or a way to come mm -hmm. together and realize the part that everyone plays in getting something done. Yeah, and as, as we know from... Second Corinthians, uh, love keeps no records of wrong. So mm -hmm. especially if someone or a boss or a coworker is saying like, oh, you made that mistake again, or you did this again, just kind of like insinuating that they're keeping this like personal record of things that you're messing up with. Um, that is a toxic environment and something to, to keep in mind. And a good piece of advice that I've heard before from someone who used to work in HR is like, if you're starting to see patterns of any type of toxic culture, just write it down, um, especially like in the work environment, because they should have an HR department who will be willing to handle that issue. Because I don't know if you guys know this, if they don't handle it um, at all, you have grounds to take them to court. And that's where it becomes like a big issue. We're not saying you should like try to sue people, but, <laughs> but you know, it's, it, it does become serious for a company legally. 
one theme that's really central to all of this and a lot of what we've been talking about in this podcast and others is this idea of taking ownership. And that can be a really intimidating thing, but it can really endear you to others and set you apart as a great leader if you're able to admit when you've done wrong, take ownership of your successes as well as your failures. And I've been learning a lot of those really great lessons from a book called Extreme Ownership. It's by a couple of U.S. Navy SEALs who turned into executive leadership consultants. It's really awesome. They take all of these lessons that they learned on the battlefield and translate them into how you can succeed in the business world, how you can apply these really high intensity, like you know, kind of heat of the moment concepts and apply them to just the corporate world and being able to improve your life, improve your leadership skills, improve your ability to relate and connect to others. I would highly recommend it. If you'd love to support the show and check the book out, we'll leave a link in the description below the episode. Extreme ownership. Take take ownership of your mistakes, guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I compiled an interesting list of blame scenarios where we could talk about okay whose fault is it in this situation oh okay and i scoured the realms of reddit and the internet so (laughs) i just found a couple that i thought were interesting that we could talk about all right let's go for it so i will read you one Mm -hmm. so whose fault is it here i was cooking the other day and put something in the oven after a while i start to smell something bad open the oven and found a melting plastic cutting board my roommate roommate said he put it there as storage but he also says that he has no fault in this scenario because i should have checked the oven before using it i say it's his fault for putting plastic in the oven Ooh, that's a tough one i would say man i feel like that is a both and kind of situation where you guys have to communicate because if you don't communicate that there's a cutting board in the oven, I think that's on you. If your roommate has told you and it's understood that you guys store stuff in the oven, then that's on the person putting stuff in the oven and not looking. But this sounds like one of those situations where no one talked about what they were doing, right? Yeah. The person putting stuff in the oven never told anyone else that they were putting stuff in the oven. Right. And the person who was getting ready to cook didn't ask because they weren't told about it. So... I think that's a case where both of them can say, hey, we need to communicate a little bit better. But to me, reading into this a little bit, it sounds like the person who left the cutting board in there didn't do their job of talking to someone. Because like, if I leave my laptop in the washing machine and don't tell you, I'm not going to be mad at you for not checking beforehand because you can't be expected to know that. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I agree with you that they're both wrong because... I've heard like over and over again, like check the oven before you turn it on. Like there's a lot of heat going through it. Um, And I've, I've heard of people using it as storage. That's not something new, but yeah, I I think it's, it's very dependent on each household. And it sounds like these two roommates have different standards for the household. And you know that I use my washer as storage, my dishwasher as <laughs> right. not, not my clothes washer. <laughs> but yeah, I'll keep containers in the dishwasher because I didn't grow up using one. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hey, extra space. So you've never run my dishwasher at all or thrown dirty stuff in there because you understand that even though you judge me for it. <laughs> but it's yeah, this is it, sometimes it's not one person's fault is is the point. Like sometimes mm-hmm both sides are contributing to a confusing situation and that is okay and it becomes a better situation when you guys are able to talk about like hey we both did wrong here and to be the first person to say that you did wrong and acknowledge that you know that's that's a very mature thing to do 
So next, this one's pretty short and sweet. It is my employee can't afford to go to team lunches. Ooh. Whose fault is it? That's an interesting one. Yeah. This one can vary so much because team lunch means so many different things. We have friends who team lunches are like required and that's something you have to go to even outside of work hours. And then the team lunches I've been invited to were like, hey, we're going out to lunch. If you want to come, go for it. If not, you can't. So I'm going to go on the assumption that if they can't afford it, then this is something that's more expected that people attend and that it's just kind of part of the job. And man, this is tough because as a manager, I'm not responsible for the way that my employee spends their money. Yeah. And I think most people are paid fair wages overall. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's kind of on the individual to be able to manage their money responsibly. I mean, if you're like having your employees go out for $100 lunches and calling that a team lunch, that's really unfair. So I feel like this is another case where you need to communicate with each other and bring up to your boss, whether it's, hey, you know what, I just, I'm paying off a lot of debt and I can't go to any lunches and your manager should be understanding of that. Or if it's another situation, you can say, hey, why are you making us pay $100 for these lunches? That's crazy. Then that's more on the manager. But just off of this little information, it's really tough. I I would say it's probably on the employee to communicate that unless it's like a very bizarre scenario where there's an expectation to spend a lot of money on a team lunch. Yeah. I understand wanting all your employees to make it to the team lunches because it does, you know, make everyone bond and build that friendship amongst everyone. But team lunches should be optional. And if they are not, then they should be provided. Right. And I, I think most companies understand that, but as a manager, you should, like you were saying, like be understanding and um, ask your employee about, you know, their financial situation, choose places to be more considerate of that because everyone can afford to go out, like you said, if they plan around it. So even if it meant giving them a heads up if they did want to attend. Mm -hmm. uh, But I feel like there's always a way around it. Like you, you have to compromise on both sides a bit to make it work. But it also doesn't have to work because it should be optional. It's my opinion. Yeah. I think this depends a lot on the tone. But like you said, if you're expecting this to be a team building event that's required, the company should really be picking up the tab or the manager on their own if it's that important to them. Yeah, I hope I hope our bosses are listening. <laughs> um, next up, whose fault is it? Pregnancy. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is That's it, a little pregnancy. bit more serious than a burnt cutting board <laughs> or a missed lunch. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't think there's anyone that is more mutually inclusive than this one. Like, I don't think you could ever apportion more blame to one party than the other. And I think that in most cases, this is something where it's two consenting adults, right? Outside of something nefarious or some kind of deceit or deception that this is a decision that both of you made going in fully understanding the consequences and what might happen, right? An unexpected pregnancy is super scary, but it doesn't mean that you both decided to go through an act. And I think that it's both of your responsibility together to be able to provide for the kid, to be able to navigate the situation and take ownership that you were 50% of this equation. Yeah. And unfortunately it seems in most cases where a couple doesn't stick together the responsibility falls on the woman. Yeah. Which makes sense because they build that, like, that physical connection with the child in their bodies for months. But, yeah, th- you're right that, like, you know, a man needs to step in when he 
causes of pregnancy too because he's half of that equation and he's just as responsible and should be present and and financially supporting yeah and even like something like child support is is so sad because you know as much as the money helps the mother be able to take care of the child or if it's the other situation for the father to be able to take care of it no amount of money makes up for that kid growing up with only one parent or someone who's not there for them and it's it's heartbreaking and i think more than any other case this is something where it's important to take ownership and even if it's hard for you even if it means sacrificing some of your own happiness stepping up and being for there for that child is more important than any other decision you could make yeah alternatively if you are a married couple and are all living in the same house uh, you can't blame each other for whatever demon child that you've brought forth <laughs> into the world. So <laughs> you both did this and, and uh, best of blessings to you. <laughs> All right. Last one. Whose fault is it? Today I got into a fight with a lawn chair and it won. <laughs> what? <laughs> Whose how fault there, is it? <laughs> how could there be anyone else to blame? You tried to fight a lawn chair. What did you, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> I think that's all on you. The lawn chair was just sitting there. It didn't instigate this. It didn't I try mean, to hit you, you back. Hey, you don't know what it was wearing that day, okay? Uh, oh. <laughs> Ridiculous. It really is. So, yeah, I think we'll we'll leave that to the listeners to figure out. Uh, <laughs> lawn chair or mystery man? And when I was looking up, like, different scenarios to share, I mostly found when I tried to search, like, uh, whose fault is it and try to find like different forums right mm-hmm. and like nine times out of ten they were like motorsport related hmm. or like virtual motorsport related like some sort of like gta scenario gta 5 <laughs> scenario or like nascar huh. and it, or like someone was like i got into an accident and it oh. just it, so I, I was like i don't want to do these topics those yeah. aren't as interesting but it was i thought it was fascinating that that was kind of the the biggest topic that came up when I tried to find, uh, yeah, questions. Interesting. Well, I know we've covered a lot and we've been all over the place from taking responsibility at work to fighting lawn chairs, but I think the message to leave today with is that there doesn't always have to be someone at fault, but if it's something that you're involved with, take ownership of it, try to improve, try to see the best in the people that you're working with and understand that in most cases they're trying really hard too. We appreciate all of you guys tuning in. This has been a really fun conversation, I know, for me. And we would love to hear from you all and have you guys along for this journey. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and now TikTok. If you would like to support the show and you're enjoying listening, we would love if you're able to share with a friend. If there are any topics that you would like us to cover or that you're all interested in, please reach out to us on social media. We love to hear feedback or suggestions for future shows, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.